It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. Well, all the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in this arena. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> hey, you know that wrestling, right, know that wrestling bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there in the land? And welcome to episode 293 of the Straight Shooters. Available wherever podcasts are found including the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacona, Philly Voice, and Philly Influencer. And we have a little bit of a, a mini-episode here, because we got an interview, an exclusive interview, with the voice of Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni. Ian, how you doing tonight, my good brother? Oh, Vaughn, Nick, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. We're just, uh, you know, in real time, I was just catching up on the beginnings of the Ring of Honor tournament to crown the, the women's champion, and uh, I'm getting excited because we've been in front of some crowds, we'll be in front of, uh, of a crowd when we crown that champion at Death Before Dishonor, but before we get there, I'm an Allentown guy, and we're going to be in Philadelphia on Friday, August the 20th, and Saturday, August 21st. Yeah, glory by glory by honor. Uh, the 2300 Arena, two nights of action. Uh, one night, first night one, to say, you got the Ring of Honor World Champ going up against Flip Gordon, defending the title up against Flip, Flip Gordon. On the next night, you got a cage match with Matt Taven and yeah. Vincent. and uh, Yeah, it's a lot going on in Ring of Honor right now. Like I said, you got crowned a new women's champion at some point. You got mm-hmm. uh, the, the Ring of Honor Pure Championship being defended at Glory by Honor, the 2300 Arena. Uh, we're going to talk all about it, but... Uh, let's, let's talk about you, man. What's going on with you and, and, and Rick and Bonnie right now? Oh, you know, life's been good. Um, you know, knock on wood, our family has you know, done all right during the pandemic. Um, you know, thankfully, we've been spared from this virus so far, and hopefully that's that'll keep being the case. Um, you know, we're taking all the precautions, but, you know, life is good. Um, during the, you know, during the last couple of weeks, I got to throw out a first pitch at the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, which was a lot of fun. That's my team. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm proud of Allentonian. I'm a, a big Nasty Boy fan because that's, that's where uh, <laughs> from my hometown. And, uh, yeah, life has been real, real good. I've been doing that. And, um, you know, coming off of Best in the World, you mentioned it. We got a new world champion, Bandito. So all is good in the wrestling world. Good triumph over evil. And uh, we finally got a world champion we could be proud of, unlike that uh, ungovernable Rush who, who was doing whatever he wanted, whenever <laughs> he wanted. And uh, But it, it's fun. You know, it's cool now. My son, Zach, is four, and, and he just started school um, for the first time since the pandemic. He started preschool again. And, you know, he loves Bandito. He loves all the guys in the masks, the luchadors. So it's really cool to see those athletes kind of start to take over the top spots because very personally it brings brings joy to my you know my kids they love all the colors and the masks and and they're in <laughs> i was going to say there's a lot of luchador talent ring of honor now a lot more than there has been in the history of the promotion uh what do you think about that a lot of the uh top talent now in ring of honor a lot of the feature talent are luchadors 
Yeah, I love it. Um, I've always been a fan of the high flying style. You know, when I was growing up, there was guys like Ryan Pillman. Um, there's guys like Tom Zank. Um, those were your high flyers. Owen Hart, Coco Beware. And that was pretty much it for a long time at the National. Did you mention Tom Zink? Yeah. You mentioned the Z Man? -Man. (laughs) I've never heard anybody (laughs) in history say one of my top five flyers is Tom Zink, the Z Man. The first WCW action figure I ever bought. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was a tough one to get, too, because he came out in the second wave, I remember. Um, The Z Man, you know, I think of him as a high flyer. There was a match at Wrestle War 92, it was him versus Brian Pillman for the light heavyweight title. And they did the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Z-Man came off the top rope uh, for a drop kick, and Brian Pillman drop kicked his drop kick, and it was awesome. And I remember, I used to keep, I used to get all the magazines at the Seven Eleven on South Fourth Street in Allentown, and I remember I cut that picture out. And I used to be such a, you know, so obsessed with keeping the magazines together and looking at them and doing all that. But I cut that picture out and I had it on my wall. So I might have a skewed misconception of the Z-Man, but. You know, to your point and to that point, there wasn't a whole lot of high flyers, you know, until uh, ECW started to bring in Eddie and Ray and Psychosis. And then WCW started bringing in a lot of the same same guys that ECW originally brought in. So, you know, once guys like Ray came around, you know, once guys like Psychosis, I was always a big Psychosis fan. Once they started to get mainstream, um, that was awesome for, you know, for someone that loved high flyers. So... To see that, you know, this next wave, this next generation of guys like Bandito, Dragon Lee, uh, Ray Oris, those guys, Demonic Flamita, uh, come to Ring of Honor and be that next group and that next wave is is incredible. And I'm so glad I get to call it because that's my favorite style. You know, I, I if, you've, if you've ever seen Ring of Honor, um, you know, I get into the big jacked up muscle guys. I like a good pure wrestling match, but man, I lose my stuff when, when I'm calling those Luchador <laughs> matches. So, that, yeah, that's that's definitely my favorite style, and it's so cool because it, it brings in a, a lot of different voices and a lot of different fans. Um, I was draped in a Mexican flag at the end of a match in Atlanta before the pandemic because uh, you know the fans were there to see Bandito and, and Ray Oris and and Flamita compete for the six man belts, and by the end of it, we were going nuts, and a fan threw a Mexican flag on us. And we rolled with it. We loved it. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it brings a really cool feeling to not only the matches, but to the events. That's dope. That's dope. You mentioned the uh, the pandemic. And obviously, we all went through our own things during the pandemic. The whole world is still in it. We're still in the pandemic, technically. You know? Absolutely. So let's not yeah. confuse that. Uh, but uh, we are, you know, at a point where we're, you know, there's fans in the stands and at sporting events and especially wrestling shows. And I think for a lot of fans, it you know it was like enlightening for some maybe, but I think it reiterated the fact that wrestling is you know is a lot a lot different without fans. I mean, you need fans. Uh, so, what is it like now to have fans back in the building and kind of kind of talk about that ROH bubble y'all had on for a little while there for a little bit too, if you if you if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's something. <clears throat> kind of special and unique about wrestling as, as a sport, as an art, it's, it provides instant feedback, on, unlike many sports. Um, there are, when you play baseball, and I, I played it in college at NYU, and you know, I, I covered it for a bit, there's, there's a couple of expected outcomes. There's only so many things that could happen, right? You could strike out, you could walk, you can get a hit. And that's really it. 
I mean, you could have a wild pitch, and that's exciting. It could be a balk, and you know, the average fan might not know what happened when a, if a balk happens. Um, but really, there's there's kind of three things that can happen with wrestling. You know, wrestling, there's literally a million things that could happen. Dragon Lee does things on a on a show by show basis that I don't think I've ever seen before, and he'll pull, pull out something so new and so innovative at at each event that. I struggled to call them, and I have to ask him afterwards. What do you call that? <laughs> que nombre es? Um, like, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you call that move? And that's what's really cool about wrestling. It, it's that the ability to express yourself in, in that type of art form, and and really be innovative at the drop of a hat. And that's I think what makes it so exciting as a live event. And so to have that instant feedback for the fans to be able to respond in real time, and to give the wrestlers that. I think we all took that for granted. I mean, I know I took that for granted as a commentator. That you, with everything that's going on in the ring, I react just as much to the fans' reaction as I do the move itself. Because there's that millisecond delay of your brain firing and saying, oh my god, that was awesome, and then having the reaction, and then having the reaction to the reaction. And I think, you know, for wrestlers, I think that works in a lot of the same ways where it's that reaction to the reaction that gets them charged up and fired up. And uh, having the fans back in the stands in Baltimore was great. We did, um, we did a, a big gate for us. We did you know, 1,250 people in Baltimore, which was higher than what we did before the pandemic. So we're really appreciative of the fans coming out there. And we're, we're expecting the same sort of thing in Philadelphia, where we're on pace to break our, our pre-pandemic number, our previous pre-pandemic number in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, we really want to thank all the, the wrestling fans who have given us a shot because we know uh, that, you know, providing wrestling in an empty arena isn't most fans' cup of tea. <laughs> it forced Caprice Coleman and I to become better broadcasters, to become more descriptive, to tell better stories, uh, to become more concise. But at the same time, there is nothing like that rush of the crowd. And so we appreciate coming out of these bubbles the fans reacting, the fans responding, uh, you know, and, and just showing up. You know, like you said, there still is a pandemic. There's ways to be safe about it. Obviously, vaccines, obviously masks. You know, those will keep you the safest at this point, other than, you know, keeping distance from, from folks. But we're excited that, that we've reached this point where we can present Ring of Honor again, and we're excited that fans are turning out. The Ring of Honor bubbles were, were kind of awesome for me, and I say this. As a, as a dad, I think Vaughn, I think you're a father as well. Um, yep. You, it's just no matter how much you love your children, you just hit that point in the day every day where you just get so tired that you just want, <laughs> you put them, talk about it. Yeah, you just you just want to help them get to bed, and then you want to fall asleep right. yourself. Go, and go to bed. <laughs> yep. it's time. And there's no more time left for you to to play even one game of 2K or to watch you know 20 minutes of old wrestling. So for me, they were like many vacations, and my wife and I—it's it, funny. Like I, you know, she was looking at it from the the standpoint of, man, you're gonna be locked in this hotel room, and I was like, yeah, but the, they pay for our food, and, and we get whatever we want delivered, and you know, and she was like, but yeah, you can't go anywhere. I'm like, that's fine, because I took my PlayStation, <laughs> I took my, <laughs> I took my PlayStation, I took my tablet, I had you know old wrestling going on the tablet. I had NBA 2K21 going on the TV, and uh, 
I, I was just in heaven. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. I missed my family. You know, but it, it, it gets it gets old after day one. Like day day one is like is like uh, any teen movie. You know, where they throw the big party and the parents are gone. Uh, by day two, it's like man, do I, it's like when you're growing up. Like when you hit that certain age, and like oh, I really don't. Am I really at this party right now? I really don't want to be here. So, but right. it's worth it, it's worth it for the rest. You know, it kept everyone safe. We were the only company, I believe, to have no outbreaks at a taping. Um, mm. And you know, we discovered folks that were we helped folks discover they were positive before they were coming to the tapings. Um, you know, we had a strict contact tracing protocol. There's a few guys that were you know big name guys that were held off events and held off you know eight weeks worth of TV because they were honest about their contact tracing and who they saw and if they were in proximity to somebody with COVID and so on. So, you know, it, it took everybody's honesty and everybody's forth, forthrightness uh, to maintain safety and to ensure everybody was safe. But it paid off at the end because, you know, as of, you know, as of the best in the world event, uh, we did stay safe and everybody did keep each other unaffected. So, you know, it was, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You get lonely there, but you know, you take your. I took my video games and, and was watching some old wrestling, and it's fun for a little bit. And then uh, the cool part, the best part, is when you get to see everybody. And I had the benefit of being an announcer, um, so the COVID protocol was super strict. But I could see everybody very, very briefly before the matches, and very, very briefly after the matches, because we could Priest and I could keep our distance from the announcing position, and so. It was cool for us because we felt like the cool kids. We got to see everybody, everybody that we missed, everybody that we hadn't seen in a couple months. So that was really nice too, and it was it was like a reunion, you know. I was gonna say that's dope that uh, Ring of Honor was able to pull that off. You know, that's not easy, that's not cheap, you know, to do. Yeah. But they were able to do it and put on some shows. You know, uh, there's only really two other promotions able to do that in North America. That was WWE and AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the other, a lot of other promotions had to fully shut down, or I guess in some states they could have limited fans stuff like that, but they couldn't have like Ring of Honor had like a bubble and have consistent shows and put out content week after week, uh, like y'all did with the protocols and the testing, which is again that's something else that's not cheap. The testing, yeah, and the, the contact tracing, it's another something else that's not cheap that takes time and effort. So, hat tip to Ring of Honor and everybody else there, the whole crew. For being able to pull that off, whatever you think about the product or wrestling, whatever, that's still an accomplishment. Yeah, and before we get to Glory by Honor, uh, we, me and Vaughn on this podcast usually talk about how much the crowd uh, brings out an enjoyment of a match, and I've gone on record saying like the crowds make matches for me pretty much all the time now, and even from when I was a kid watching. Uh, you know, it could be a technical masterpiece in the ring, but it could also have the if it doesn't have the audience of like Hogan rock, <laughs> um, right. it, it might fall flat. So my question is, you know, when you guys were in the bubble and w- without fans, did any of the talent really kind of take ownership of their own, uh, you know, creativity and seeing what, you know, kind of play with some things that they might not otherwise do w- with fans and in, in the audience. Yeah, Nick, that's a great question. I think during the, these bubble tapings, there were wrestlers that were definitely more creative. Um, you know, on commentary, we noted that a guy like Jay Lethal really leaned into the fact that there was no crowd. 
but it didn't matter for him whether or not there was because he had such tunnel vision. And then a guy like Jonathan Gresham, um, you know, really helped establish the pure division and the pure championship because he was ready to jump in and wrestle like his life depended on it in these no crowd situations. And that really helped reestablish and establish the pure title and the pure rules. And um, we're really confident that 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 would have a big impact. And it's one of the silver linings coming out of these tapings is that uh, we've had the opportunity to really just talk about the match without any distraction and jump in and talk about what was happening in the match and the, and the holds Gresham was using. And, and he and Tracy Williams were really the two MVPs of those early bubbles. They were wrestling sometimes, you know, four or five times in the bubble, you know, bubble taping, which would amount to two or three matches a day. And so they really leaned into the silence. Now on the opposite end, Dalton Castle and Sumi Sakai, I think, really struggled because they're so used to interacting with the crowd and so used to being pumped up about being in front of a live audience that uh, I think it caused them to uh, get caught flat-footed sometimes. And you see that really got inside the head of Dalton Castle as he's changed his ways a little bit because of it. Yeah, you had to become, like, I don't know how... I don't know how you would become a, a better worker or a different type of worker because I think we saw it like in even in WWE in the beginning, people were kind of still doing the same things, especially when they when they, in their performance and there's literally no one there, not even like the Thunderdome, and they're still like kind of playing up towards fans stuff like that. They're like, hey, there's there's nobody here, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> why y'all still doing this? But it, it's just kind of ingrained in you to do the certain things, and uh, but now you have to worry about that because there's fans back in the building. Um, that's right. And I think the, the best, I mean, again, I talked about Jay Lethal, but I mean, he incorporated more trash talk, you know, fill the space that you have. And yeah. If the space that you have is physical, fill the ring. If the space you have is auditorial, fill the auditory space with, with trash talk. Talk to your opponent. Tell them you're going to, tell them what you're going to do. Tell them right. you're going to, you know, whoop them, you know. And That's promo time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what Caprice like, talking about, by the way. Harlem Heat used to cut promos on the way to the ring. They would just talk to the camera. That was their promo time. That's right. Got to get it while you can. Uh, let's let's talk about you a little bit, Ian. We talk about you know the Ring of Honor a little bit. We we come back to it uh, again. Ring of Honor going to be in Philly, uh, August twentieth and twenty first, I believe, for mm-hmm. Glory by Honor uh, at the twenty three hundred Arena, where at the same building where I got a Super Bowl ring, which is still <laughs> wild to say. Um, Amazing, <laughs> but. <laughs> Let's talk about your journey a little bit. You were, I remember you were writing for writing for the Phillies blog, uh, a yeah. little bit back in the day. And then, and that's what I knew. That's what I first heard about you. I think we probably crossed paths at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, all of a sudden, you're at the Monster Factory and you're ring announcing. So, kind of talk about yeah. your journey a little bit from writing about the Phillies to now here you are now as the voice of Ring of Honor. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Um, I was in, I was living in Glenside, and uh, I was doing the Phillies Nation TV show. And that show, in hindsight, is really neat because the the four of us that started together all ended up, quote-unquote, making it. Um, Pat Gallen became an Emmy-winning sports anchor on CBS3. Uh, Corey Seidman is on uh, you know, NBC Sports Philly uh, on a daily basis at this point. And then, um, you know, myself and then Natalie Eganoff, who was a longtime co-host of Mike Missinelli. And so the, 
you know, the four of us, we were all, geez, 23, 24, 25 years old, maybe. I think Pat was the oldest of us at 25. And, um, you know, I was writing for Phillies Nation, uh, really, like everybody, got swept up in the Phillies as they became, you know, super successful. Um, I've been a diehard Phillies fan, you know, my whole life and was heartbroken in 2005 when they, you know, they couldn't close it out. They, they had a chance to win the wild card and didn't the last weekend of the season. Uh, but you could tell they were right on the doorstep. 2006, same kind of thing. They almost chased down the Cardinals at the end of the year. And um, 2007, it really felt like it was going to be their year. And you know, by 2008, I started to write on my own little blog about the Phillies. And I reached out to Pat and sent him some writing stuff. And he said, hey, you want to write for us? I said, sure. And then he started making videos. And so his videos have a hint of professional production. And he kind of let me in on the secret that, you know, he wanted to be in film and TV. And he was using some of the Westchester uh, equipment uh, to help him film things. And he was using some of the, the connections and colleagues he's made uh, at ESPN 97.3 in Atlantic City. Um, so, you know, he had said, you know, he really wanted to make it, but he knew that he had to put something together himself for him to get noticed because Philly's an insanely competitive market. And so he'd done that, and I'd done a public access show, and I said, well, Pat, your, your little videos here are way better than what's on public access. I can probably get them on public access. <laughs> and so <laughs> we got Philly's Nation to air in Allentown before it aired in Philly. Um, and we, we're, we talk about the Phillies, we do Iron Pig stuff, um, we do uh, Redding Phillies, Redding Fighting stuff, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, one of the, my beats was I interviewed famous Phillies fans, which included Mark Summers of Double Dare, which was awesome, uh, which included Tony Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Summers, one of the goats of kids television back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, Mark and I, um, you know, Mark was the first person I knew to come out with obsessive compulsive disorder, which is something that when I was nine years old, I was, I was told I had and. Uh, you know, I had this scary thing going on, and then you know, I turn on the TV, and, and here's this guy that I know and, and love from Double Dare talking that he has it too. And it was the coolest thing in the world to know that I wasn't alone, and that this guy that I thought was awesome also had it, and explained that you know, he was okay, and, and you'll be okay too if you have it. And so uh, that was awesome. And then I interviewed Tony Luke, then I interviewed Blue Meanie at the Monster Factory. He said, Hey, uh, it'd be pretty cool if we did it at the Monster Factory, right? I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I was like, How, do you know anybody there? He said, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to Larry Sharp. And I was like, Larry Sharp, oh, okay. You know, um, the guy that managed Bam Bam Bigelow, the guy that trained pretty much everybody you see on the, you know, the Monster Factory posters. And so I get there, and uh, the segment goes, goes well. They do the old wrestler throws a reporter around thing. And uh, a lot of fun, meaty, you know, big splash in the corner. And we had a blast. And then uh, Danny Cage gave me his card. He said, hey, if you ever want to do anything more, let me know. And I called him a couple weeks later. I said, hey, Dan, if my friend wanted to be a wrestling broadcaster, what would my friend do? And uh, he picked up on it right away. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah. Just asking for a friend, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I felt like I was in middle school all over again at the dance. Hey, uh, you know, it's almost like you want to dance, but uh, except my friend wanted to, to be a wrestling announcer. <laughs> and... Uh, I asked him, and he gave me really good advice, and you know, which is just make yourself a value, start showing up, help out when you can, and you know, we'll see if we can work you in. And um, in a couple months, I, I became the ring announcer there, 
And uh, we didn't have the capability at the time to do live commentary, but I started doing the commentary tracks over the, the taped events. So I called Matt Riddle's first match. I called a lot of Damian Priest's uh, early stuff before he came to Ring of Honor and then WWE. Uh, Steve Cutler, uh, Nick Camarado, uh, Preston Vance of the Dark Order. I mean, we had kind of LSG of, of Ring of Honor. Um, we had a pretty magical group at one point where there was like 10 of us that all ended up on TV pretty regularly and, and still are on TV. So that's pretty neat. I mean, and that was cool. But, um, you know, from there, Danny said, I think you should, you should come to the seminar. Kevin Kelly is going to be there. And um, Kevin Kelly, obviously from uh, New Japan now, but previously at WWE and, and then of Ring of Honor. And uh, there was, he was doing promos with the wrestlers, and he said, hey, guy in the suit, stand up and sell me tickets for tonight. So I did. And uh, he gave me time cues on 60 seconds. I hit my time cue. I wrapped it up. And then, uh, you know, he told me, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, he said, hey, everybody, there's my replacement. And <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, he was just paying me a compliment. I don't think he really meant it at the time. But he pulled me aside afterward and said, hey, Danny's told me you do really good stuff. If you really want to do this, just stick around with Danny, start coming around Ring of Honor, and, and we'll work you in. And uh, my first event was September 27th, 2014. Uh, it was Future of Honor 2. I called the whole event. And um, it was in Laurel, Delaware, home of the Briscoes. And <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a ton of fun. And um, I haven't really looked back since. You know, I did Monster Factory for another year or two. Uh, I did some, some house show DVDs for Ring of Honor, some untelevised events before we had Honor Club up, before those were streamable. Um, but then in February 2017, I took over for Kevin when he announced he was going to New Japan. And, uh, yeah, I, it's insane because when I took over, my son was two months old, or three months old, rather, um, you know, and, and I knew that Kevin had done it for, for five years, um, five and a half years, rather, and I thought, man, if I could just, I just want one taping, if I could do one taping, and that was always my goal, you know, I, okay, I want to do one untelevised match for Ring of Honor, okay, cool, I want to do one internet match ring of honor mm -hmm. okay i want to do one tv match okay cool i want to do one pay-per-view match and as you know as i got a taste of success you know as i was checking those things off the list the only thing left was okay if kevin ever leaves i i want to be the person that they give a shot to you know maybe they don't give it to me but i want to get one shot and um Sure enough, I was on the toilet at O'Hare Airport <laughs> during. I snuck off during a business meeting, uh, or at, at the end of a business meeting, and uh, I went into the bathroom and took a call from our executive producer, Delirious, who let me know that that uh, Kevin had had chosen to focus on New Japan and that he'd really like me to be the announcer, and um, and that was that. And then, I mean, that's led me to 42 states. And I called all in. I called Madison Square Garden, the G1 SuperCard. Um, you know, I've got, gotten to call so many great Ring of Honor title matches, some IWGP title matches, uh, just everything. It's been, it's been unreal, and uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I try not to take it for granted. That's awesome, man. That's so awesome. If you buy tickets to Glory of, uh, of Honor, Glory by Honor, I should say, mm -hmm. uh, you won't be able to hear Ian because you'll be in the building. But That's right. <laughs> you, can, you can stream it on Honor Club, right? You can. So you Absolutely. can do that. But, again... Buy tickets to the show though. Twenty three hundred arena, 
in South Philly, the corner of Swanson and Rittner, uh, deep in the heart of South Philadelphia, as we, <laughs> we, should, we yeah. should say. Uh, glory by honor. Get your tickets. Tickets are on sale now. And, of course, again, if you want to hear Ian's commentary, you can stream it on Honor Club as well. Uh, but what, what does it mean to you to, to, to hear, you know, I said it earlier, I'm sure other people have said it, that you're the voice of Ring of Honor. Yeah, everybody wants to play for their hometown team, right? You know, it, you're, if you grow up in New York, you want to play for the Yankees. If you grow up in Philly, you want to play for the Phillies or the Eagles. You know, maybe the Eagles is a better, better comparison <laughs> with the success that they've had versus, you know, some of the recent struggles of the Phillies. But, um, you know, growing up, I'm from Allentown, so wrestling has always been huge here. And for years and years, it was the WWWF. Uh, but by the time I was born, they bolted. You know, they left Allentown high and dry. And, um, you know, it wasn't until ECW coming up in Philly and then, you know, coming to Allentown, coming to Ag Hall, coming to different spots that um, it felt like we had a home team for wrestling. And, you know, Ring of Honor is kind of this, that's one of the spiritual successors of ECW. Now, there's a couple groups, CZW, Ring of Honor, um, XPW, um, that kind of sprung up and took different elements of, of what made ECW special and tried to grow them. And the fact that Ring of Honor took the the element of we're going to take the best independent talent and we're going to have them wrestle um, was the element that I liked. It was what, you know, it was it was like when we talked about earlier, Psychosis showed up. You know, who is this guy? Oh, he's awesome. We're going to show you. We're going to have him wrestle. Um, who's Eddie Guerrero? Oh, he's awesome. We're going to show you. That sort of thing. And um, that's what Ring of Honor did in its early days. And it's always felt like the home team. And so I, I've said this and I've had opportunities to go different places when my contract comes up. And I always come back to Ring of Honor because it's my home team. It's, you know, it's where I grew up. Um, I was in high school buying, I bought the VHSs and then later the DVDs of Ring of Honor. And it's the team that I've always wanted to play for. And it's so cool to me to be able to say to, you know, wear the letters ROH on my sweatshirts, on my jackets, on my, on my polos. Um, because that's the team I've always wanted to play for. And to do it in the 2300 arena, um, you know, it's the next best thing to the, you know, the National Guard Armory. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's such a vaunted historic place in its own right uh, because of the wrestling history that it's just a super special, super special thing. And I, again, I, I try never to take it for granted. Um, you get chills walking in. Uh, so many special moments happen there, whether it be in Ring of Honor um, I got to call a Sandman entrance there with the music licensed for the building, edited out for TV, but licensed in the nice. building, <laughs> nice. <laughs> which was cool. Um, and of course, it's the you know the, all the ECW stuff, uh, whether it's the Kimona, you know, Kimona dancing on the roof while the power's out, or uh, you know, barely legal, or you name it, all the fun ECW moments. Most of them were in the ECW arena, so it's just super special and. To know that, you know, those are the letters I represent, it's just, it's just thrilling. You know, I'd say it's a childhood dream. I was 15 when Ring of Honor launched. So, I mean, they were always, they were the place to be, and, and to me, they still are. Um, it's just, I, I equate it a lot to punk rock, you know. Um, groups like The Clash and, you know, The Stranglers and The Jam, they were getting huge and they were getting big, and then... You know, with the backing of a major label, in our case, in our case Sinclair, they were able to get their music out to more people, and I think that's the stage Ring of Honor 
is at and has been at is there you know we're a little bit punk rock and you know even elvis costello sold out you know so you know sometimes you just need that little extra push to get your message out and uh we get a pretty good message in the, the wrestling we put on tv every week you talk about how uh you know ecw played a big role in like your, your fandom back then i remember walking in I, Sam Goody is where it became like the place for wrestling uh, albums and stuff like that. I remember always going in there and there was a, I, f- I forget the video store, but there was a video store next to it. I think it was at the Defer Mall. I could be wrong, but uh, I would see like Ring of Honor DVDs. And the only place I had heard about Ring of Honor was the internet at the time when it launched in 2002 and i i don't remember if they had a tv deal originally like wgtw or something but i remember thinking or and hearing the great things about ring of honor like the great matches obviously brian danielson cm punk samoa joe that talent that obviously grew uh you know nationally internationally at this point I bought like a few ring of honor dvds back then but i never really watched them because i was a collector i would literally record every single wrestling event on TV. And it, my collection just got so big that I didn't have time to really do anything else. I was recording like on-demand content just so right. I could have it part of my collection and stuff. So was that a big, like, did you really kind of ingratiate yourself to the Ring of Honor product before even, you know, pursuing this career path? Because yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it until I finally, you know, I grew up and I was able to afford things that, right. uh, you know, the internet got real big and I would watch like iPay-per-views and stuff like that eventually. But uh, how was that for you? Yeah, I was a huge wrestling fan. Um, you know, my babysitter growing up, I, I was born in a trailer park and my uh, my parents would would send me across the street to a woman named Pat's house. And Pat was probably in her 60s. And uh, she, her husband would watch wrestling all the time and when i would miss my mom and, and cry and get upset they put wrestling on and they calm me down <laughs> and so <laughs> wow it's, it's, it was uh, destined bro that that's kind of how it was with my babysitter you know like yeah. i i was i missed my mom so much i was homesick all the time uh, i would cry for hours and they would put on wwf at the time yeah. and it's just like the the glitz and the glamour of everything just and i was I was mesmerized. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. I put on Yo Gabba Gabba for my daughter when she would cry. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all, it was, uh, it, was Rick, it was Rick Martell in, in, in 97. Yeah, and Tom Zink. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Zink. The Z-Man. Rest in peace. Shout out to yeah. the Z-Man. Z-Man. Um, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where I, I'd been a fan from that moment, and I... I had some hand-me-down LJNs, and then the Hasbros came out when I was about three or four years old. So I had all the action figures. I had all the magazines. Um, you know, I, my, my favorite memory from when I was a kid was the one time my uncle showed up at our house with a garbage bag full of magazines. And um, I was like, "What? <laughs> what's this? And he opens it up, and it's all of these 1985 through 1990 WWF magazines. And so, you know, I still have all of those. There was a couple of nudie magazines mixed in, but I think those were. <laughs> I think those he quickly grabbed those, realizing either that they uh, they were mixed in from whoever he bought them from at a yard sale, or that he bought them and forgot to take them out. But um, <laughs> but you know, I was a super fan from a young age. Uh, 
And so for me, I was a collector too. I had a lot of the Coliseum videos because we all grew up at the age when all the video stores unfortunately went out of business. Mm -hmm. So you could rent the tapes, but then from like 1994 to 1998, when all the local video stores died, you could go in and you could buy them, you know, when they were going out of business. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, my parents for, you know, I remember one time in particular at a Blockbuster that was just kind of clearing their inventory we walked out with six tapes because they were only two bucks. And my mom <laughs> nice. did the math and was like, we can have these forever for 12 bucks or we can pay 10 bucks to rent two of them next time we're here. So we're just, we're just going to buy six of these outright. So, yeah. It, so I was a super collector. Um, for me, the Ring of Honor, the guy that I was drawn to was Loki. Um, you know, Loki, the first champ. Uh you know, not so much now, but now I'm, I'm more of a Brian Danielson, Christopher Daniels guy. But back then, there was really nothing like Loki, and he's been, you know, often duplicated, you know, often imitated right now, uh, you know, through the years. But he was really one of one of a kind, special guy. Um, and back then too, you know, you'd see, you'd hear about guys like Spanky or Paul London, and then they'd yeah. show up in Ring of Honor, um, and then they'd show up in WWE, and so. Um, that was cool because if you followed Ring of Honor, you you could tell your friends, oh, I've seen this guy before, he's awesome. Or, oh, you know what, I don't know who this guy is. He's never been in Ring of Honor. I don't know how he's going to do. Um, so I remember, yeah, yeah you, you brought up Paul London, and I just have a funny aside. I never saw pictures of these guys, like when, when I would read about them in Ring of Honor and like the matches they had. So for some reason, Paul London, to me, that name just sounds like a huge, like, muscled-up guy, like a Bobby Lashley or Drew McIntyre. <laughs> and I saw him the first time in, on WWE TV, and I was like, wait, that's Paul London? You know, like, it just right. it, didn't, it didn't match my vision of him in my, in my eyes and my mind. But um, that's what it was. I was relying on message boards to really kind of get my information at the time. I didn't, you know, look up... Uh, pictures or anything like that i i don't think it took a while for me to get a cable modem so i was on dial-up for for a long time so right. you know it was yeah. those things where uh you know that those names i heard in ring of honor until they you know showed up elsewhere and i was just like man like i and then it made me want to go wa watch their ring of honor stuff that i had missed what, what did people say about paul london to make you think he was a jacked up guy I, dude i don't know man like <laughs> like paul london and just to me it was like paul revere okay like i instantly name i instantly put like names that i haven't heard before into like uh, I, this vision in my head of just what i assume they look like so paul london i don't know like i i i can't tell you man i was a, when it came to the message boards that's where you know like I, and i got my information a lot before like 2005 uh that was it like i just <laughs> i don't know i can't explain you thought, it you thought he was paul warndorf Pretty right. much, London, pretty man. much, like this big, you know, <laughs> jacked up dude, Batista-looking guy. But nope. <laughs> <laughs> rest, rest in peace, to Paul Orndorff, too. By the way, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Ian, real quick, not really real quick. I'm gonna ask you a behind-the-scenes question, real quick. Sure. Because uh, you, you know, you've covered, I guess, say we normal sports. I guess you covered the Phillies for a while, for a long time in Phillies Nation. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you have experience around you know sports teams and stuff like that but what is it like entering the pro wrestling world it's a different world when you're coming from the outside what is it like entering for for an outsider yeah it, it's funny because immediately you realize when you're going into wrestling that um 
there are folks in wrestling that value your experience uh, and vice versa. So one of the first people that really took me under their wing was Steve Carino. And Carino's a huge Phillies fan. And so, you know, he would ask me, you know, oh, what's Cole Hamels like? Or, hey, did you get to talk to Utley when he was in rehab? Um, you know, he would ask me those kind of things. And it was cool because I, I get to answer him. Oh, yeah, Cole's, Cole's really cool. I did, you know, I blah, blah, blah with him. Or I was at his charity thing. And, oh, we shot an interview with him and so on. So it was neat because I had certain experiences that, that made, you know, my career path sort of interesting to a few of the folks, you know, within the wrestling world. Um, it's always tricky when you don't have that extra experience that you can talk from, you know. I always encourage people that want to go into wrestling broadcasting that are on the younger side, high school or even college, to do something else first. Um, you know, whether it's a podcast, whether it is uh, calling your, your local high school or college's soccer games or football games or, or what have you, do something else first and make yourself super interesting and make yourself undeniable. So by the time you're ready, you only get one shot to make a first impression. By the time you have that opportunity to make a first impression, you have something interesting to talk about. Um, you know, I did MTV stuff when I was 18. And I was not ready to do MTV stuff when I was 18. Uh, I was still shy. I still had a, a veneer on me. I still uh, wasn't ready to kind of be myself on camera. And that was a missed opportunity for me. Um, you know, had I got that again, maybe when I was 26 or 27, I, I might have done better and, and life might be different. But that failure made me really solid by the time I got, in, got around to wrestling because I could talk about how awkward I was on a special with Bill Gates or how, you know, a commercial shoot I was on for MTVU that I was the feature on for my music of all things, uh, you know, should have taken an hour and ended up taking three hours because I, I, Yikes. Could, I couldn't follow direction. I, I couldn't, take a, couldn't take a cue. And MTV, you know, I keep getting in these, these circles where somebody saw potential in me, somebody kept recommending me for these things, and it just, it just didn't stick. But, you know, to take that failure in stride and to be able to add that to your story and to be kind of a more well-rounded person um, is, is pretty cool. So coming from the outside, I recommend to anybody, do something other than wrestling. <laughs> really. <laughs> just do so. You know, you can be a wrestling fan and no one will look down on you for that. That's awesome. But it's really difficult to make it in wrestling if the only thing you do is wrestling. Now, you'll hear things from different people. Mm. And you'll hear things that will contradict that, and everybody's story is different. But when you walk in the door, you know, or when you're driving back from, you know, you're driving from Kalamazoo to Dayton, uh, you'll want to talk about what happened that night, maybe for 10 minutes, but then it's, hey, do you hear any good bands? Oh, hey, do, you know, you follow the Sixers? How are the Sixers doing? Oh, hey, how's how are your kids? Hey, can you tell me about that time? You know, my, my discussions mm. with Karina were more about, his misadventures in Japan on wrestling trips <laughs> rather than him wrestling, you know? They were right. about interesting things that happened. Um, so I always encourage people, if you want to get into wrestling, actually start from the outside, you know? Don't jump in when you're 17, 18 years old. Um, do something super interesting first, get really good at broadcasting, and then try and jump in. That's an awesome answer, actually, because we talked about it on the podcast, like that wrestling bubble. Yeah. And there are a lot of fans who are like knee deep in that bubble and that all they know is wrestling. And 
I think it's interesting you say like, hey, you should do something else. You should have other experience in the world besides wrestling before you kind of dive into it because you could bring a different flavor to it besides just wrestling. And then for you, you know, as an outsider going in, you're not an outsider anymore, obviously, but at one point you were, but you had interesting stuff to talk about. Hey, I covered the Phillies. Hey, I did the stuff on MTVU and all this stuff, like all this stuff that you did in your life leading up to, before that. Uh, you know, made you an interesting person. And you would think that, like, traditionally, wrestling has always kind of been, maybe not so much anymore, but back in the day, it was closed off, and it's kind of like a secret society, and, you know, outsiders aren't allowed. Uh, but, you know, it's like, hey, you, you're, you know, you're, you're encouraging, like, hey, be, do other things, and then get into it. So I think, I find that very interesting. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's good advice, because, like I said, we talk about all the time on here, like, hey, man, y'all need to, I need to do some. I need to watch some other stuff besides wrestling. <laughs> See what else is out here. I mean, yeah, those people, you know, saying I wish wrestling was more mainstream, but then they'll criticize WWE for going to Rolling Loud or you know something like that. It's like you know, I, I like, I like the expansion at times, uh, and you know, if it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit. But take a chance. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean that's that's what brought WWF to the forefront in 84 with MTV uh, with you know it, it's taking those chances and seeing and meeting people where they are um, I'll you know I'll say this about any time that we've done a first pitch or any time that we've done uh, I remember I threw out a first pitch at the Charlotte Knights game and I, I noticed Mark Gruzelanek was the manager of, of Charlotte and so <laughs> for me I was like, oh, my God, you're Mark Grizzolanic. And he's like, yeah, hi. And uh, he goes, well, who are you? And I said, oh, I'm Ian. I'm Ian. I'm a wrestling announcer. And he goes, oh, for what company? And then, like, he wanted to know more about the wrestling. I wanted to know more right. about baseball. So if if you're in wrestling, you do get in it. You can get inundated with wrestling, 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 wrestling. And sometimes it's just nice to hear about somebody's family. Or it's nice to hear about, oh, you went to, you, went to, you know, what high school or what college or where are you from? Or... Oh, I've been there. They have good ice cream, or just something. You know, like it's not contrary to what everybody thinks. Um, you know, these Ring of Honor bubble situations, or you know, these live events, we're not wrestling twenty four seven, and I don't. You won't find very many people that are. Uh, you mentioned you know Steve Carino and his misadventures in Japan, and I'm you know I guess it's you know wrestlers travel a lot, and they, at least back in the day, did a lot of crazy things, and. You don't have to mention any crazy things on the question I'm about to ask you. I'm just wondering, what is it like traveling with a wrestling promotion? And what is a day like for you at an event, whether it's a live event or TV taping or pay-per-view? Uh, so that's a two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what is it like traveling with wrestlers and, 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 and a wrestling promotion? And what is, a, what is a day like for you uh, before you're about to call a show? Yeah, so... My my quote unquote day actually starts a few days before that. Um, I usually prepare all my stuff and have it printed out in terms of notes and, and schedule and, and anticipated you know format and run you know run times run sheet uh, well ahead. And I do that just to give myself peace of mind because I'm a nervous traveler. Um, I've been to, like I said I've been to 42 states. I've been to seven countries, but it's it's one of those things where. For me, the anxiety of traveling oftentimes is way more difficult than the actual act of traveling. <laughs> so, um, so I want to make sure I have everything that I could possibly have done before you know before I have to wake up. And so, what I do, um, Ring of Honor, depending on where we're going, offers to fly us in the night before and put us in a hotel. 
Um, I usually fly out the day of, so I get to spend an extra night with my family, but that means that I wake up and take the first flight out of Allentown. So I, I either fly to Philly, as, as crazy as that sounds, um, it's the shortest flight in the continental United States, <laughs> or uh, I fly to Charlotte, because you can connect, you know, you can go anywhere from Philly or anywhere from Charlotte. So uh, I usually get one of those flights, and the Philly flight is 5.50 a.m., the, the Charlotte flight is, is 6.05 a.m., and then from there, uh, I get get to the building pretty early. Uh, I see if I can check in early at the hotel. Uh, if I can't, uh, what I do is I find a restaurant to eat at, and uh, I just go over my notes, and I just kind of periodically see if I can check in. And um, you know, from there, we get to the building about five hours before bell time for production, and to, to walk through anything we might need to know. And then, um, yeah, I, I try and, you know, in non-COVID times, and in the, in the last scenario, uh, at, at best in the world, I was able to actually walk around the locker room and, and check in with guys and see how they're doing and, and see if there's there's anything to look out for in their match or any move names or anything like that. So, you know, that's a, a pretty basic day. They are long, though. Um, you know, even if you fly in the day before and get a room the day before, um, you know, that's time away from your family, that's time away from your kids. Um, it all adds up, and my kids are so young right now that I don't want to. I don't want to miss anything, you know. Um, we talked about having the the idea of having a break in the bubble, but uh, you know, just being able to tuck them in and, and to read them a story good night is is really important to me. So, uh, Ring of Honor usually works around that and <laughs> works around my accommodations there, unless it can't be avoided. Um, England is one of those cases when we do the England tours. Um, I, I take a just take a red eye instead. Um, so yeah, the days are days are pretty long for, for me as an announcer. Uh, you know, by the time we get rolling, it's usually seven or eight o'clock, and then we're we're usually done at between ten and eleven. And then uh, depending on where we're traveling, uh, we'll either drive to the next town to make it an even longer day, <laughs> or we'll stay in the town. We usually stay in the town we're in, get in the car, and then leave the next morning and, and drive to the next town. So it's uh it can be i wouldn't trade it for the world it's a fun experience you get to see all kinds of parts of the united states that you know you never thought you'd see uh but it can you know it it can be tough you know having having kids and sleep deprived showing up trying to get some sleep on the plane <laughs> that sort of thing again i wouldn't trade it for the world but it's uh yeah, I, I do miss it a little bit, as crazy as that sounds, because the, you know, the best in the world was in Baltimore. That's just a drive for me. You know, I just had to get in the car and drive. Uh, last question for me, Ian, or I got actually two more questions. Number one, uh, what is the vibe like in the Ring of Honor in the, in the locker room? Mm. Uh, you hear about, you know, the vibe in the other locker rooms. What's the vibe like in, in Ring of Honor's locker room right now? Yeah, um, I mean, everybody cares about each other. Um, you know, like I said, I think everybody in the locker room can tell you, you know, how many kids everybody has, what their ages are. Um, you know, we're seeing our families grow up. Uh, we have a, a real strong legacy, and, and I don't just mean the fact that we've been around since 2002, um, but a lot of us have been in the Ring of Honor locker room for quite a long time now. I mean, I, I just hit my seven years. The Briscoes have been there, obviously, for, for 19 years. Um, Jay Lethal's been back for nine years straight. Um, you know, even Burley King at this point is, is approaching his three years, you know, and, and I can in my mind, he's still quote unquote new, same with Bandito, you know, they're, they're still quote unquote new, but, um, 
it's loose, it's fun. Um, you know, the vibe at Capri Sunai's locker room during the bubbles, uh, we, we have rap music going. Uh, sometimes we put on Frankie Valley for Bobby Cruz because Bobby Cruz likes Frankie Valley. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah. who's putting on Frankie Valley right now? Yeah. For Bobby Cruz, okay, that makes sense. That's Bobby Cruz, yeah. Um, you know, put on some Frankie Beverly. I don't know about Frankie Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I go. I usually go with. Uh, I usually go with anything by that Marshmallow's on lately, including the Jonas Brothers. But that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so it's fun. It's loose. Um, you know, when we're when we are traveling, me, Jay Lethal, Todd Sinclair, uh, we we play name that tune. You know, until until the sun goes down, kind of thing. Where uh, we have fun with the '80s playlist, the '90s playlist. Um, you know, it's it's a good vibe. Um, I'm not a partier, but you know, I like going when the world's open. I like going out to eat with guys. I got to eat with with PCO and Lenny Leonard, and um, and Bobby Cruz and Brian Zane the other night down in Baltimore when we were down there. That was a blast. You know, we ate outside and, and tried to keep it as safe as we could. Um, but yeah, it's it's just loose, man. It's, it's loose and light. Um, with Ring of Honor, you know, I I think we've there's always the feeling that we're putting on great wrestling, and I think we're at the point where we just need to let people know we're putting on great wrestling because this is a pro- I wouldn't be involved in a product. And I've had I've had offers to go different places. I, I you know every time my contract's up, I I take these calls and. and in most cases, I'm being nice and just say, yeah, thank you. Um, but I, I could have gone to, to almost any other place. And it's, it, it is the vibe of the locker room that keeps me at Ring of Honor. So, you know, I think that's what a lot of people appreciate the most. You know, I think we're all in the same mindset. We're all working on the same goal. We love what we do. We love what we're putting out. We just need to get it in more people's hands and in front of more people's eyes right now. Big money in out here turning down places to go, <laughs> out here doing things. Yeah, I mean, and I love them. I mean, that 2019, uh, I had a lot of interesting offers. 2021, same kind of thing. Um, but Ring of Honor has always been very good to me, and um, that paper usually sends shows up in my email before I can even think about going anywhere else. <laughs> so I appreciate Ring of Honor for that. Hey. You gotta keep the keep the voice happy, man. The voice of Ring of Honor, <laughs> Ian Riccoboni from Allentown. I know some people may not be familiar with the geography of PA, from you know, from in the in, you know the the proximity of the Lehigh Valley to Philly, but about an hour and change away from, apart from each other, right? Is, yeah. is that fair to say? And we're all hour Philly change. fans up here. Like it, it's Allentown's yeah. interesting. It's the it's Philly and New York media market. We're, oh we're, really? I did not know that. Yeah, we're about twenty miles closer to Philly than we are in New York. So because oh, that's up north too, right? Yeah, like we're up north from Philly, I should say. Yep, we're about sixty. I think fifty-five, sixty miles north of Philly. But oh, depending man. on where, okay. where you're going in the city, it can take. You know, you can get down to the stadium in like an hour and ten. You can get to the airport in like an hour. But if you're going, you know, if you're going to Old Town or, or something like that, old old city, um, it might take a little bit longer. But yeah, mm. we're, we're we're pretty close. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. We're, there's a ton of Philly sports fans up here. I mean, this is Eagles country still up here. This is Philly's country, especially if we've got the Iron Pigs, the Triple A team. So yeah, 
I, I was going to say that, like, Allentown, I don't think, gets enough credit. Because, you know, everybody talks about Philly's wrestling history and it's well-documented and well-deserved. But Allentown, like you mentioned earlier, was, like, home, kind of sort of home base. Not really. I mean, New York is always home base with WWF. But, like, back in the 70s and 80s, that was, like, a monthly stop for WWE and WWF. Like, yeah, uh, Allentown and, of course, Poughkeepsie up in New York. But, like, Allentown was, like, a spot they would go to, like, on a monthly basis and, and run shows there. There were more, I, I think this is still true, it was for a long, 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 long time, there were more tag team title changes in Allentown than any other city <laughs> in the country. And so Allentown used to, if there was a good shot, you might see the tag titles change hands if you went to an Allentown, <laughs> Allentown event. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy too, because, you know, Allentown's well represented in wrestling history. we got Billy Kidman, we got the Nasty Boys, uh, myself, Matt Riddle, um, you know, Allentown. Allentown keeps it real. You know, we got. Yeah, we 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 try and claim the Rock, even though he's from Bethlehem. But you know, I mean, it's, it's Lehigh Valley. Valley. Lehigh Valley. Right? Yeah, Lehigh Valley. He went to high school there. He did. That's right. Uh, the first, the first, and, and speaking of the Rock, the first ever Black Tag Team Champions in WWF history were crowned in Allentown. Mm-hmm. Of course, Tony Atlas and of course Soul Man, Rocky Johnson. But uh, Ian. You spent like an hour with this man. I didn't even expect that, to, you know, to happen. But we're here now. Yeah. We're going to send you on your way, bro. But <laughs> we appreciate you taking time, uh, talking to us. And of course, again, Ring of Honor, two shows over the course of two nights here in Philly, August twentieth and twenty first. Glory by Honor, twenty three hundred arena. Buy t- get your tickets now. If you're in the building, you won't be able to hear Ian, but you might see him. He might wave back to you. If you wave You'll to him. hear him if you sit behind him. That's true. Right. I'm, loud, I'm loud enough that if you are close to me, yeah, get, a, get a front, get a ringside seat behind Ian. There you go. So you can hear the man do his thing. I'll tell you what, though, if you're thinking about coming, you know, we'd love to have you either night. But night two is selling faster, and night two will sell out. Ooh. Um, so if you're thinking about coming, night two is a big cage match. It's Vinny and Matt Taven. Uh, it is the first cage match in Ring of Honor in seven years. The last one was in August wow. of 2014. Wow. Yeah. So, and Matt Tame was in that last one too. Um, that one is on pace to sell out and do so quickly. If you want to see the new world champions first and maybe last title defense, <laughs> Bandito, um, <laughs> he's defending his Flip Gordon. And uh, like I said, it's his first. It might be his last. You never know. Um, so that's you know that's something special. We got the Luchadors on top of that. You know, on top of Bandito, we got Ray Oris, Dragon Lee, Flamita. Uh, we got the Briscoes will be there. I've heard there might be a couple surprises. You know, it's Uh-oh. just going to be a, a big fun night. We, we just announced um, Hollow Wicked <laughs> to team with the Oh, Bears. man. So, so he's coming back. And, uh, I mean, it's just going to be a fun, fun, fun night. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's always a blast. And, and we, you know, we're so happy to be coming back to the 2300 Arena. Yeah, like I said, that's just night two. Night one, you got a pure championship match. Gresham yeah. versus Red Titus. You got EC3 on the card. I mean, two big oh, nights. It's, it's incredible. And that's really going to set the tone for what happens. You know, this event, the thing with Ring of Honor is every event's consequential. Every event's going to be streaming on Honor Club. So, you know, we've had events. You know, people say, oh, I'm not going to a Gasana TV or oh, I'm not going to a Gasana pay per view. Nothing big will happen. That's not true. <laughs> Ring of Honor's had the TV title change at these types of events, the tag titles, the world title. Um, you know, that's the sort of thing with Ring of Honor is every we have just the right amount of events 
that you can keep up with us and watch every event through the year and every episode of TV. And it's a it's a nice time commitment. And you, every event and every match counts. And that's why you got to be here because something special might happen in Philly. Look at Ring of Honor. You need to keep in Ring of Honor, all right? Because he's selling the <laughs> hell out of this product, yeah. selling the hell out of this show, all right? That's, that's right. He just sold y'all some tickets tonight on this show on here on episode 293 of The Straight Shooters. Uh, Ian, before we let you go, tell people where they can find you on the social media channels. Yeah, at Ian Riccoboni on on everything. Um, So the only thing I'm not on right now is TikTok. And I might be because I signed up for uh, Songify or Songily, whatever, whatever its original incarnation was years and years ago. So I might be on there. I might have been taken over by bots or something, but I'm, I think I might be on there. <laughs> but Dude, I think you, I think you do well on TikTok, man. TikTok is, you know, yeah, it's the happening sure. platform. Uh-huh. We'll see. Yeah, maybe I, you know, I was able to floss with Bandito with the New World Champ. Maybe I'll, maybe that'll be my first TikTok. Who knows? <laughs> first time for everything, man. All right. uh, Nick, you want to take us out with some plugs here on episode two ninety three before we send Ian off? Ian, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, Ian Riccoboni, I-A-N-R-I-C-C-A-B-O-N-I. Easy, easy peasy. You can follow follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. Follow me at Pacone underscore because at Nick Pacone is still suspended. Damn. (sighs) Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. And you can also listen to this podcast and find a little write-up on phillyinfluencer.com and possibly phillyvoice.com. Hey, you might have to you might have to pour one out for uh, Agni Pacone, bro. Yeah, that might be it. It's rough. It's over it's with, rough unfortunately. <laughs> you might have to hold a funeral for it on the, on the podcast at some point. I don't know. I guess uh, uh, you know, once they start licensing music, you know, that, that was it. <laughs> oh, they, like I told you, they ain't playing about this music. We'll, we'll talk about it off air. <laughs> Again, I forgot to tell you last time. They ain't playing about this music. Uh, I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. If you can't find me there, you can find me out here in these streets somewhat. You know, still got to be safe out here. You know, I am vaccinated, but you got to be safe out here, you know, because it's still uh, this variant. Cases are going up and stuff. So uh, so I might be out here in these streets a little bit. I will be in Canton this weekend, though, uh, oh, for nice. the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction for Harold Carmichael. So shout out to Harold Carmichael being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You can find my writing on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, we will be having another episode this week. This ain't our only episode. We will do be doing a deep dive. SummerSlam 1991. We're going to be doing a couple SummerSlams. This one, uh, just our own doing. We wanted to do SummerSlam 91, but we will have Patreon requests. Right? We got 99, 2000, and 2001 for Patreon requests. Yeah. All of them. Jeez. <laughs> and we did right? SummerSlam 90, which took place in Philadelphia last year. So, I'll uh, tweet yeah. that out as well. That was uh, my that first out. my first wrestling event in person. Check nice. that out in the archives. So, yeah, uh, as well. We did that last year around this time. Celebrate SummerSlam in 2020. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to be back again this week for episode 294 of the Straight Shooters deep dive into SummerSlam '91. But we're going to wrap it up here for episode 293. Thanks again to Ian Riccoboni. It's great talking to you for I think I think over an hour. Yeah. Uh, so. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. And for next until next time, for Nick Bacone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 293 of the Straight Shooters. And we'll catch y'all again soon. Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's over. Oh yeah! Kick it!